You're listening to the Liverpool Comedy Quota, the only EU-ratified comedy podcast in the city with me, your host, Jay Burnley. And in a week where David Cameron did us all a favour and left the country, but unfortunately left the Deputy Prime Minister in charge, the condemned love affair seems to be under strain as Cameron plays the poodle role that Blair perfected over in the States while Liberadoodle Clegg takes a shih tzu over the NHS. The Liverpool Comedy Quota suggests neutering and rubbing their noses in the mess they made. In this issue of the quota, we embrace the punk mentality by being hard to listen to, selling it by shilling butter later in the year, and like the rest of the country, we have no future. In this week's specially extended show, the quota brings you 40% Steve Hughes, 40% Richard Herring, that was a bit blocked at the time, and 20% Jim Smallman, I'm not jaded to this, providing you with 100% of numerically organised anarchy. First up, he's the King of Edinburgh and about to perform his 33rd and 34th Edinburgh Fringe shows. He's one half of Lee and Herring's Fist of Fun and Sawimrumja. He was, he was Herring in that. And according to the courier, a fiery redhead. He's also grown up, despite publishing a book on how not to, by getting engaged to be married. Before he does that, he plays the newly reopened punk venue, Eric's, on the 25th of March with his show What Is Love Anyway. We managed to chat with him in his last days of singledom. Rich, thanks a lot for coming on the show. That's my pleasure. Um, so, uh, the man who brought us talking cock, knob gags, groupie stories, uh, and the book How Not To Go Up. Uh, what, what's happened? What's happened to you? <laughs> what's happened to me? What, because I'm doing a show about love? Uh, and, and marriage as well, getting married. No, well, I suppose, yeah, well, you know, you've got to, it comes to a point where you've got to, uh, got to grow up a little bit. I'm still quite immature, so, um, yeah. you know, I met, uh, I met an amazing woman who, you know, who was, uh, I didn't want to get away, so that's the only that's the only option, isn't it? Uh, well, I, d- I don't know. Uh, I was going to ask you your, your advice <laughs> of this because um, bizarrely enough, I started seeing my girlfriend uh, just around about the same same time you started doing warming up, which is your yes. oh, wow. your daily um, your daily sort of blog. Yeah, that just uh, nine years ago, and that's that's basically just to to get ideas out or to flesh things out for jokes. Well, it was sort of partly, I felt like I was wasting a lot of time and I was feeling I wasn't getting writing done and I was just going to, I was a bit blocked at the time and just, you know, and uh, and I just thought, well, maybe if I sit down and write something in the morning that was just about the previous day, that will get me kind of up in the mood for writing. It didn't really work for that. It just means I feel like I've done something so I don't have to do anything else. <laughs> but, it's, but, it, but it has actually, pre- I wasn't doing stand-up at the time and I wasn't really, so I had no real idea what I was going to do next, really. So it, was, it, it turned out to be a very useful tool for kind of creating stuff for stand-up sets and journalism and, and for How Not To Grow Up, the book How Not To Grow Up, because I've obviously I've written it, it's like writing a diary every day. So when I went, when I came to write the book about the, the year I turned 40, and although I don't write about very personal things on the blog, you know, yeah. you, the, 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 you're obviously thinking about a subject and that comes across in what you write about, basically. So there was loads of stuff from the blog that was useful for my book. And yeah. um, it's turned out, you know, it's turned out, and obviously I, I, part, I think when I started, I thought, oh, that would be a useful way to get people to come to my website every day, you know, and hopefully keep people interested in me. I, was, I think I was conscious that, you know, I'd, that Lee and Herring had finished and I'd just been writing with Al Murray and then that had finished and I was kind of conscious that, you know, A, I was, I'd earned a bit of money at, at working with Al Murray and writing a sitcom for him and so yeah. I was thinking, well, maybe I won't be so keen to work, but also I was conscious that, you know, I could easily drift out of people's uh, consciousnesses <laughs> and, uh, and so I thought by doing a blog every day that might kind of help people remember me and, you know, it might also make people interested in, you know, I think do, it's, yeah. it's a good way, but it's a little shot window for, for what you can do as well. It didn't really work like that, you know, and I've been doing it for nearly 10 years, and it's only, it still hasn't really ever been noticed by anyone. <laughs> but I think yeah, I think it definitely makes you, um, you know, I think it, the, the people who read it, there's sort of three to 4,000 people read it every day, and it's yeah. available on the Kindle and stuff like that now, and as a podcast now, so, you know, people 
there's, there's enough people who listen to it. And then, of course, you can obviously just say, oh, I'm coming to Liverpool on this date, you know, so yeah, you can publicise stuff as well by doing these things. So, oh, 25th, you know, 25th of March in, in Eric's. Uh, yes, that's right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, good. Uh, so, so you've been doing that for uh, almost 10 years, and like I said, uh, I've been seeing my, my missus for about 10 years now. What, right, what advice? See, I'm not religious at all, and I've always said this. I've had this conversation with my girlfriend that I don't think we should get married, and she sort of agrees with me. But should should we get married? Because everybody keeps well, telling me I should. I'm not married yet, so I can't tell you for sure. But I, I, <laughs> I was, I felt very the same. I felt very much the same. I thought, what's the point? What, why, why do we need to do that? Why do we, you know, even if we have kids, why do we need to yeah. um, have a piece of paper saying that we're get, we're going to get together? You know, and and, and there's a sort of feeling that it's almost like you're not trusted by your partner in another way, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's like saying, oh, well, I think you're going to run off and leave me alone unless we're actually married, which is sort of a bit offensive as well. But um, but actually having, you know, and I, was, I resisted it for quite a long time, not as long as you've managed to, well done. I, you know, I, I kind of got to three and a half years before we, you know, was, the, the chat was getting more and more about that. And then, you know, we, we got engaged before Christmas, pretty much at the four-year point we got engaged. We got engaged. Yeah. But actually, having got engaged, it does. It has brought us a lot closer, and it does sort of. It, it's weird. It does. It does sort of feel um, uh, like a, a good thing to do so far. I'm talking to most of my married friends. Obviously, some have been through it and come out the other end. But mm. um, I think most of them sort of seem to. You know, it's quite a funny thing to do, and it's quite a, you know, it's quite a, it's quite an unnatural thing to do. So that's quite amusing. Um, but uh, you know, I think it's I think it's kind of a good you know the, once you get into a long term relationship, I think it's isn't the kind of that burst of romance has died down. It's more about kind of making a trade off and making uh, getting a balance and yeah. you know it's it's kind of less romantic but sort of more romantic in a way. It's what we probably discussed a little bit in the show. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's 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 making things work on a day to day basis when, when it's more about you know you're building something up, I suppose, rather than. You know, you're building a kind of an attachment to each other that's, that's kind of more than that, just that falling in love thing, which in a yeah. sense is just a chemical reaction that's your, your brain tricking you into wanting to make love with someone and have children with them. So it's kind of, there's something quite lo- lovely about, you know, making that connection with someone. And, you know, and yeah. I think having the same name as each other and, and having rings with each other, I think these things actually, the more I think about them, the more I think actually this is quite a nice thing to do. And it does, you know. See, I've, I've been able to put it off again because we had a kid uh, a couple of years ago, so right. and we've done wills, so that sort of put it off as well. So yeah, well, yeah, I'm thinking though, it's not a necessary thing. I don't think you know. I don't. It's, I think with love, you make your own choices, you know. And I think that's mm. the problem in the past. You had to do whatever everyone else was doing, and if yeah. you did anything different, you were a terrible person. I think you know, love is a really difficult thing, and a long-term relationship is a really difficult thing to make happen. There's all, there's, you know, there's so many temptations, and you know, and there's thousands of people you could be with in the world if you look at it logically. Yeah. And so, you know, the fact that you make a conscious decision to stay with one through the bad times is a is a is a nice thing. But you could don't need to you don't need to get married to do that. And if you've got a family together, that's the sort that's a lifelong commitment. Whatever happens to your relationship, <laughs> anyway. so unless all... you're an idiot. <laughs> well, that's the debate. <laughs> um, so, so who's doing your best man speech? Have you, have you decided that as well? Because as a comedian, yeah. surely that is a horrible thing task to put onto somebody. It is, and you think I would have, you know, I've got lots of comedian friends who would be able to do a fantastic uh, comedy speech, but I've actually, my best man is a, uh, he's a musician and a house husband, uh, but he was my best friend at college, and, so, and, I, and I was his best man, so he's going to be my, but he's, he's very sardonic and dry, I think he will be funny, and I think actually he probably would be funnier than someone 
who, you know, the problem with like, doing your wedding speech is you're thinking, oh my God, you know, I've got to be really funny because I'm a comedian. <laughs> <laughs> and doing a best man speech as a comedian is actually more pressure, I think, because you are a comedian. Whereas if you're not a comedian, people aren't necessarily thinking, oh, this is going to be, you know, yeah. they're not sitting back going, right, I'm waiting for the 10 funniest minutes of my life. <laughs> so I think, you'll do, I think you'll do a good job, but he's called Mike Cosgrave. He's not, so, you know, I had, I had a pair of various comedians I could have chosen, but... Uh, I've decided to not go with the comedians. And you've, you've not got Steve Bennett from Chortle in the in the crowd doing any reviews? Uh, hopefully not, no, no, unless <laughs> he can sneak in. But, you know, I, I was tempted to... Uh, my girlfriend wants to, to, to video the wedding, and I was saying, well, if we video it, can we use the speech as an extra on my DVD? And for some reason, she was uh, not very keen on that. <laughs> that would be brilliant. <laughs> so I think it'd be like, that'd be a nice extra, wouldn't it? On the, on the What Is Love Anyway DVD to have my, <laughs> my wedding speech. But for some reason, she thinks that, you know, that's the whole point. It's costing me a lot of money, this wedding. I want to get some of the money back. To make it tax deductible. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking about uh, DVDs, you, you work with uh, very closely with Go Faster Stripe, don't you? As uh, for yeah. pointing out, you, you're, uh, you've got the Fist of Fun uh, first series DVD that's just come out as well. Is, is that is that um, they're not like a big publishing sort of DVD branch, are they? It's more like the uh, Lewis C.K. Uh, sort of aspect that he's yeah. Is, is that what we're moving towards now, or? Well, I think like, it's what I'm I'm moving towards, and like a lot of comedians of my kind of ilk who wouldn't get like I mean actually now the last couple of uh, live shows have been released have been distributed by uh, PIAS, which is like quite a big uh, right. a big firm. So they do go into the shops from the most recent ones, but um, you know, Fist of Fun isn't Fist of Fun, and all my other DVDs are really this. It's, it's you know, it's a man in their terrace house in Wales who just likes comedy and. It started because, you know, he went to see Stu's gig and then was just chatting after and said, when's it coming out on DVD? And Stu said it wasn't because they didn't want to do this one on DVD. So, he's, so you know, he had he knew some friends who could do it and so he just decided to do it himself. So it's more of a comedy. It's not like a it's not like a man trying to make loads of money. I think he does quite well out of it in the end, you know, but, he, but a lot of the, you know, a lot of the comedians he chooses just literally will sell 50 copies of the DVD rather than, you know, and we, we need to sell... The way he does it, you know, it keeps the cost low, so you know, and then just have a lot to break even. But you know, you need to sell a few to break even. So, but it, but he'll use the money from ones like me and Stu to, to actually put into to, to put a comedian that you might not have heard of, or you might you wouldn't get a chance to put have a DVD otherwise. So it's you know, it's a really great model, and it's about the comedy rather than about making money. Yeah. It's a nice thing for me, you know. It does make us a little bit of money, and it adds that it actually for when I'm touring now, you know, it's I mean I'm doing okay, but like that extra revenue that comes from the DVDs being sold, at, you know, in perpetuity. Yeah. does just make you know just makes the whole thing make a little bit more financial sense but it's not going to you know it's not it's not peter k i'm not making you know <laughs> we're not going to sell a million we might sell three or four thousand for each dvd you know if it's yeah. the bum you know we've 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 sold enough now to cover the cost of both series just from selling the first series you know and we, we kind of took a little bit of a punt on that i mean it was very expensive to buy and, but yeah, again it was just wanting to have it out there rather than rather because people kept asking about it so it was, it was just it was just kind of getting out there rather than making money. I think hopefully it will make uh, go faster, strike some money, which they will then probably plough back into finding some obscure community <laughs> and, make, and filming a DVD for them. So, no, it's great that you can do that. And it, and it actually, yeah. for me, it gave, it gave my career a kind of whole new purpose, I think, a little bit, that you would do these shows. Both Christ on the Bike and uh, Talking Cock, which is the show I'm going to do next year, you know, I did before we had these DVD deals. And it, it felt like a shame that you've done these shows you're really proud of and there's absolutely no record of them all I think there's a couple of audio bootlegs on the so, internet but you know those early ones so it's, it's yeah. great to, to be able to get that out there so Talking Cock's going to be your Edinburgh show for this year or is that for yeah yeah oh, I've right, kind right. Of re- it's, a tenth, it's the 10th anniversary so I'm reviving it and you know and also just that feeling hey I've got a lot of new fans who didn't see it the first time I think the people who did see it the first time as with Christ on the Bike would like to see it again but also it gives me a chance to get it on DVD and have another crack at it from you know 10 years on 
I think with that subject, my my views might be a little bit different <laughs> about masculinity <laughs> and and sex and that sort of stuff, you know. And I think as a, a man in his mid forties, you kind of have different issues with your uh, with your equipment than you maybe did uh, in, in your mid thirties. So uh, <laughs> you know, it will be something that I change a little bit. But it, but you know, it's really nice to now be able to get those out there and now once the dvd's been filmed i sort of think well probably there's no real need to do that show ever again you know it's not saying you'll never do it again maybe in the future you know, might think well let's do a season where i do all of my my stand-up shows you know again it'd be nice quite quite good fun so people can see them live but you know i think ultimately it just means that that's out there and, and people can see it if they need to yeah. see it so it, you know and then that, that for me is a lovely thing that you know those even like the 12 tasks of earthly terrace which is the first one we put on you know that's if people want to see that they can they can see a, yeah a copy of that, which was actually filmed by someone else, is not not the best quality, but it's okay. Have you have you managed to get out um, the Christ of the Bike, the Begat? Uh, do you still remember that now? Or have you yeah, no, I do. It? I sometimes do. It as my, I sometimes do it as my warm up. I don't think I'll. I, pretty much, even when I came back to it, it only took me about thirty minutes to completely nail it again after nine years. So yeah, I mean, it's and even the. Uh, the acronym of the beginning, the Abbey of Judge of Jabash, Rapazot, Abbey of Rapazot, and so on. Uh, you know, it's just kind of in there. It's, and, uh, you know, I think, I think I'll be in my hospital bed when I'm 100 years old and remember <laughs> nothing else. And I'll be saying, I'll be doing that, and people will think I'm just babbling, which I will be in a way, but there will be. You know, I think I'll always remember it. So, yeah, I pretty much, uh, I'm pretty much solid on the. Uh, yeah. So, so you do your, yeah. gig, your gigs uh, at Eric's on the twenty fifth of March. Uh, it's, it's, Great. It's a new. It's a new punk. Well, it, well, it used to be a punk venue in Liverpool. Yeah, um, yeah, no, I've heard about that. Yeah. And it's uh, Great you, have you gone there, there on purpose or is it just a uh, just a matter? No, of it's just they book. You know, yeah, I go where I'm. I mean, I don't book it myself. Someone else books it, and obviously they've asked. I mean, with Liverpool, I've kind of I've done most of my tours. There. I think last year I didn't didn't get. Yeah. Then you so it's kind of it's jumped around a bit. You know, it depends on what's available and who's asking, and yeah. I guess who gives the best deal as well a little bit. But but you know, I think this sounds like a really you know people are very excited in Liverpool about it. Lots of people have been sort of tweeting me about Eric's being open again, and yeah. uh, you know, excited. So you know, it'd be very exciting to come and you know try out a new venue. I'm only so, I'm only so. I always have. Also, I always have fun at Liverpool, where sometimes I have fights and weird <laughs> things happen. But yeah, I've heard mainly that. I have fun. A professor from, uni- from university. And I actually, yeah, yeah. I'm actually in your blog because of that as well. But yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a lovely venue. Just to let you know, it's a lovely venue. I watched. Um, I think Hennig Hennig Venn was on there, and I think he was the first comedian to play it. And it's oh, great. It's, it's a bit like the Baby Blue, but the the lines of sight are a bit better because the pillars. Brilliant. Are, pillars and it's nice and cozy and underground and everything. So hopefully, nice uh, uh, you'll have a good time up here in Liverpool. Uh, thanks for talking cool. to us. My pleasure. Thanks. Nice to talk to you again. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Cheers, Richard. Right. Thanks a lot bye. for that. Cheers. Bye. Bye. So that's Richard Herring there. Uh, you can find out more about his tour. It's uh, Eric's on the 25th of March. Go to www.richardherring.com. Uh, you can get his DVDs and those books and stuff. Uh, if you go to the Go Faster website, uh, just type in Go Google Go Faster uh, Stripe. Go Faster Stripe, even. Uh, and uh, you can also catch his column in the Metro. The first time I saw our next guest, I uh, was slightly in awe. Uh, not because of his comedy skills or his impressive tats, uh, but because he's, uh, no, no, that's tattoos, but because he was sat across the room from hardcore legend Mick Foley. Now he's making his own way in the wrestling world by starting up his own UK promotion, This Is Progress. One of a growing number of comedians with a love of wrestling, we welcome to the show Jim, so big he's on two of our shows, Smallman. We welcome on the line uh, Jim Smallman. Thank you for coming oh. on the show. 
Uh, on to, um, um, we're going to do a quick, a quick um, sort of quick interview this week uh, because uh, you've got um, something special coming up. But first off, can you tell us a little bit about your background in comedy? Uh, where you know where, where it all started and, and where you are at now. Um, well, I've been doing it for six and a bit years, and it started uh, for, uh, as a dare, really. Uh, <laughs> I I worked in an office, and I was really really nervous. I used to have to do big presentations. And in Leicester, where I'm from, there was a guy who ran a stand-up comedy course, and someone told me to go on that because then I get better over the nerves. Yeah. So I did that, thinking I'll do the writing bit and the the whole workshopping material bit for 12 weeks, and then when it comes to the gig at the end, I'll just chicken out. But about <laughs> halfway through, I, I decided I loved it and started doing it. People never believe the whole uh, I had really bad nerves thing now because obviously it's my job. But, <laughs> but back then, no, it was definitely true. Uh, definitely suffered from nerves. But well, you've you've obviously done uh, you're, you're at the moment you're doing uh, your, your last show was to Tuligan was it is that yeah. how you pronounce it yeah uh, you're doing the Slam the uh, the wrestling podcast they're not podcast the wrestling YouTube show yeah. uh, uh, talking balls is it on Five Live um, I did uh, I did fighting talk on Fight, Five Live fighting earlier talk this year um, which uh, which was like an ambition it was like it was one of my it was on my agents list of things to get me on <laughs> uh, uh, that and soccer I am. Uh, two things that if I can get on them, I'm, I'm well happy. Which you which uh, you got very close to doing recently, didn't you? Because you was on tour with Mick Foley. <laughs> I was, and and when Mick Foley went on, um, I sort of got a phone call going. You know, if they, if they want you as well, would you like to go on? I'm like, yeah, yeah. I can't think of a, a better day out than that. Really, <laughs> I am with Mick Foley. That'd be the best day ever. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, I didn't get to do that, but I did get to do loads of other cool stuff with him. Oh, fantastic! But obviously, you're on tour with Mick Foley. You, you supported him on his stand-up tour when he came when he came over here, uh, organised by the lovely Chris Brooker, uh, we, we've had on the show. Uh, but it, it's um, it's led to other things. I th- you've, you were already doing this anyway, weren't you? Putting this together. But uh, this is what you're on the show to talk about, which is uh, yeah. the wrestling promotion uh, that you're involved in. Um, it seems like every comedian that I know loves wrestling, and it, all of a sudden, everybody's coming out. It's like it's like coming out of the closet about wrestling. Uh, but you've got you've actually gone one further, and you've got a wrestling company called This Is Progress. Um, I have Progress Wrestling. We know what, what basically happened is me and my agent, who's obviously a comedy promoter, mm. we were sat in Edinburgh last year when I was doing the bridge, and we're both big wrestling fans. And when we're meant to be talking about work stuff, we tend to talk about wrestling. <laughs> and we were sat there in August, and we got you know obviously I just spent a load of money putting a show in Edinburgh. It was going all right and everything, but you're still quite stressed. Yeah. And on our downtime one night, we just went, you know, we should probably run a wrestling promotion. And then we started looking to see what it had entailed. And then all of a sudden we were doing it. <laughs> and, uh, and, and now Sunday, March 25th, uh, Islington, the garage in Islington in London, is our first show. And, and I, I'm really excited because not only am I, do I, I sort of book it, so I, I sort the matches out, which is amazing. Mm. Um, and you've got, you've got some great wrestlers there as well. Colt Cabana's over for this one, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah <laughs> well, Cole's going to do it, and he's, he's doing his Art of Wrestling podcast live in London the day before as well, yeah. um, which is really cool. But, it's, um, it, I mean, we wanted to try and sort of push, because we, we're into all kinds of wrestling, but we really wanted to try and push sort of really technical British wrestling yeah. um, and have a, a fairly adult promotion, because we don't let anyone in over the age of 14, yeah. and try and have quite an adult promotion, but not a sort of hardcore deathmatch yeah. promotion. We want, you know, I'm a big fan of All Japan, and Everyone we've booked to come and do it, we've said this is the style of wrestler that we want you to do. They've all gone, oh, brilliant! We're really excited now. Which is, <laughs> it, it's nice to 
but I mean, from our point of view, me and John are promoting it. We're not promoting it to to make money because I mean, we know there's not an enormous amount of money in wrestling. We're doing it because we're fans and we want to put something on that other fans will go, oh yeah, that's really cool. That's that's all. If, if people go away from the garage on March the 25th with that look of, well, that was cool. I enjoyed that. Then mission accomplished and we're happy and, it, and it's open to anybody because I've, I've read somewhere on your Twitter feed uh, that there's people coming down from Glasgow I mean we're stuck in Liverpool but you, no matter where you are in the UK you can get down there quite easily I'm guessing oh yeah I mean I mean, there's one thing that I've, I've started sort of telling people we've got people like we've got a rep, we've got wrestlers coming from down from Glasgow and, and stuff like that obviously Colts come over from the States but then we've had there are people in the crowd who are coming down from Glasgow the people in the crowd who are coming from Newcastle there's a, a guy who isn't particularly a massive wrestling fan, but he's a fan of me, um, which is a bit weird, uh, <laughs> who um, is, coming, is coming to the show from Aberystwyth, which is going to take her about 20 hours on buses and various other things. Flipping it. But it is a Sunday afternoon. It's fairly cheap to get to London on a Sunday afternoon if, you, if you're clever enough and book early. And, and we've, I think we've even got people coming from, we've got a couple of people coming from Holland and a couple of people coming from Paris. So, so they want to see Colt. And, you know, and we've, one of our matches is, is Marty Skill against Zack Sabre Jr. So, mm. obviously, that's not something you're going to see all the time. They're normally pay departments. So, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's quite... I, I'm excited how enthusiastic people are about it. Because, I mean, it could just be me and John sat in a room. Uh, with <laughs> but it seems that we're going to have a really decent crowd. And from our point of view now, we've got we've sold plenty of tickets. But we want it to be sold out. We want it to be sold out and the atmosphere to be amazing. That's, that's our next our next little mission to accomplish. Do you, do you think there can be a, a British wrestling scene again? I mean, we've got on next week's show, we've got um, we've got Steve First who's doing um, a thing, I don't know if you've seen it online, um, What Like a Panther, it's about 80s, yeah. 80s wrestling. And um, he, he, bizarrely, he actually did, he, he was talking and he, he ran a, rest, a couple of wrestling shows uh, mm-hmm. ages and ages ago. Um, but there is, there does seem like a groundswell of people who would like to see that kind of British wrestling come back again. I think so. And also, I mean, you've only got to look at... Like, when I was a kid, I'm 33. When I was a kid, there was only ever one British person in, in the WWE at any time because that was the only person who was allowed that gimmick. Yeah. <laughs> um, whereas now, we're a much more global society and there's, there's a load of British guys in WWE, there's a load of British guys in FCW, and there's a load of British guys in TNA. Mm. And I think that is proof that because of people like William Regal, we, we do put together really, really good wrestlers. And yeah. it's that British technical wrestling, I think, is becoming a, a you know fantastic export. But, I mean, you've only got to look at how many people are making it in the States now. They've obviously done it because there's been a decent scene in Britain. Mm. And it'd be great if, you know, we could keep older people for a bit longer rather than having to feel that they have to go further afield to, to make the money. It'd be, it'd be fantastic. I mean, from our point of view, we're not trying to, um, we're not trying to be the one sort of, the one-stop, uh, promotion for everyone in Britain. That's not what we want to do. We want to. We, we cover Central London. We're the only promotion that, that runs shows in Central London, so that's us. But we, I mean, I go and watch British shows all the time because they're brilliant. I mean, mm. there's some fantastic shows you can go and watch. It just they all seem to be really sort of regionalised, and it'd be nice if if everyone could could you know next time instead of potentially spending seventy five quid to go and watch a, a WWE house show, yeah. I mean you can you can spend seven quid and go and watch our show. You know what I mean? It's like, and you may as well do that. And, and if we can encourage more and more people to do that. It'd be brilliant. It'd be even better if we could get British wrestling on telly again. I mean, oh, it's a dream for all of us. So you were talking about those fantastic shows, but the greatest show, obviously, that's on in the next few weeks is. So the greatest wrestling show of all time, March the 25th, uh, Garage in Islington. 
www.progresswrestling.com is chapter one of progress uh, in the beginning. That's what chapter one should be called. Uh, in the beginning, God created professional wrestling. And uh, all right, I'm dead excited. Uh, <laughs> starts, at, starts at three in the afternoon, finishes about seven. Uh, even if you live in Liverpool, you've got no excuse. You can come down for it. It'll be ace. Cool. Thanks for that, Jim. Not a problem, mate. Jim Smallman there. Um, this is Progress starts uh, its promotion at the garage in Islington. Uh, there are people going from Glasgow, so don't be worried about trying to get down there. Uh, go online, find out more. Uh, this is Progress on uh, Twitter, uh, on Facebook as well. Uh, it should be a great show. Uh, Colt Cabana appearing there as well. Our final guest is comedian and heavy metal drummer Steve Hughes. You may have seen him on tour with Reginald D. Hunter on one of the BBC Roadshow Stroke Apollo type shows. Uh, he's now on the road with his own show, uh, which is called Big Issues. Steve, t- thanks for coming on to the show for us. No worries, brother. Uh, no worries. Yeah, you just finished the tour with uh, Reginald D. Hunter, where you're supporting him. Uh, he talks about you, uh, you pushing him to be better. Did the opposite occur as well? Did he push you to be better? <laughs> is it, is it, did it prepare you well enough for um, going on the road well, with your Big Issue tour as well? Yeah, well, doing all those theatres was really what I was uh, more interested in. Uh, I mean, um, it's a lot different. Uh, so I've discovered doing uh, an hour and 20 minutes every night instead of half an hour, which is uh, what I was doing with Ridge. So yeah. uh, it's just taught me how to do a big room. Really walk out in front of massive rooms and cold and just do it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what's... Well, 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 you know, gigging, whenever you gig, again, it's just practice, isn't it? Yeah. And, uh, you always think you can't get better and then you see Stuart Lee on fire one night and you go, oh, look, geez, I'm a bitch, really? I saw on, uh, I think it was on Twitter or Facebook or something, you, were, you, you bumped into Doug Stanhope the other night as well. Have you been able to yeah, see any of, any, of, any of his stuff? No, well, I was, we had two shows on in New York and he was down at the uh, Playhouse, so uh, but cross, cross, cross time in of course. But, uh, it was good to see Doug. I haven't seen him for a while. But, uh, it was good to see him. He's a good guy. And uh, so he just dropped me digestives on the ground. See what happens to digestives when you drop digestives on the ground? They get turned into powder. <laughs> <laughs> but that's all right, because we're nearly finished. We've only got about five left, really. And we're at Jason John Whitehead's house tonight. So we're actually in the house where we can get more digestives from the 24-hour Arab shop. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> is, is that one of the big issues that you, you focus on in the big issue tour, then? Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah. Good. I like 24-hour uh, Middle Eastern shops in London. They're good. They're good guys. <laughs> found if you want yourself a really good fry up in the East End of London, get, a, get, a, get an Arab fellow to do it. <laughs> <laughs> They're great. <laughs> so you, you, you're, not just, you're not just doing the big issue tour. You're, you're also um, you're, you're, you're write, you're writing more stuff um, musically. Um, you started off as, did you start off as a drummer? Yes, yes. Uh, metal drummer. Um, with Sl- for about 20 years in bands. Sl- uh, started off with Slot a lot. Yeah. Mortal Sin and Presto and Mizzou and... And uh, you've, you've just done... Uh, is is the it, the title of the album called Sumer, is it? Sumer? Well, it's actually pronounced Shimmeray. Shimmeray, there we go. But I know that everyone's going to say Sumer, which is a fair enough. So on the spine of the CD, when it comes out, I actually put it in the Celtic uh, pronunciation. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, but I'm not going to tell anybody that, but I'll tell you. Ah, then, fantastic. Uh, <laughs> then, uh, so one day everyone will go, I knew everyone would go Samir or Samir, and uh, it's fair enough, still not an all right word, which is why I chose it, but uh, I secretly put the real pronunciation in Celtic on the uh, side of the CD if anyone ever bothers to find it. It's like a code. <laughs> <laughs> like a DVD <laughs> like a secret, Easter egg. Like a secret code, yes, exactly. 
<laughs> but you, you, secret, you, a secret Easter egg font on the side of the spine of the CD, exactly. <laughs> so are you, are you going to be are you going to be releasing that after you finish the well, tour? Well, I'm hoping someone will release it. I've been so busy, I haven't really had time to do anything. I've got a couple of sort of guys who have got copies of it who are are in that area, but uh, Steve Dorian's got one. But he hasn't got back to me. He may not. He might not be his style. Really, he does rise above, which is kind of more two mm. metal and sort of seventies kind of yeah. stuff, like gentlemen's pistols and ghosts and stuff. But, uh, so it, and Lee, Lee, Lee uh, Barrett from Candlelight Records has got a copy of it. He's got uh, other people who he's involved with who would have to uh, yay or nay it along with him. But uh, that's a very black metal label. He did the first yeah. Emperor stuff, I think, in the UK and uh, still does a lot of that kind of stuff. So, so we'll see. If not, I'll find someone in the uh, severe underground world, which I know quite well, to uh, put it out somehow. You, you, you've, got, you've got a video up on, on YouTube as well, High on Fire. Yeah, well, I stuck that on the, uh, I stuck that as an extra on my DVD, which is coming out. I've got a DVD out now, but it's only released in Australia and New Zealand at present. So uh, I just made that in a day, the idea of putting every single heavy metal cliche on earth into a film clip in the modern day era that would probably mock such things. And uh, so, uh, plus I only had a day, so I had to sort of whack it together, but I was, I was happy about that, that came out. And then, uh, well, hopefully when I get back to Oz, as soon as I can start to, uh, is a metal influenced your comedy or the, the kind of no not really I don't think it's getting I'm getting it's getting easy to talk about on stage because I'm getting more confident about talking about it because it's very difficult to talk about before because really no one knows what it, what it is so hmm. but if you get more I mean they know what heavy metal is but really a, a normal comedy audience doesn't know what's in it Slayer or otherwise they might not Slayer but they don't know what a small angel is Mayhem and Dark Throne and Scandinavian Black Metal is. So it's <laughs> more difficult to do jokes about it to a bunch of you know, people who don't know what you're talking about. So, <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm, now, I've, now I've just started to explain to them what it is about, then tell the jokes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I need advice off you as well. Where, where should I go to start off in the in the realms of metal? What 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 are good intro sort of albums to go and listen to? Oh, well, it depends what kind of metal you want. If you want some supremely extreme metal, then you would get a. Mm. You would get Slayer's Rain in Blood, or you would get Morbid Angels, Blessed Other Sick, or Creator's Pleasure to Kill, or Sepultura's Beneath the Remains, or Emperor's in the Nightside Eclipse. And that, uh, th- those kind of things won't scare me off too too too, uh, too much at the beginning. I remember no, 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 those things will scare the f*** out of you. They're great. <laughs> they're, 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 they're some of the most superb uh, extreme metal albums ever. <laughs> so jumping Jump in. Frost stuff, some Tom Warrior, Trypticon, his new band. Their albums are, yeah, stunning. And, uh... Then if you want to go even more extreme, you can get Nazor, a band I used to be in from Australia, which is completely apocalyptic, and a band from Switzerland called Dark Space, which is a, and a French band called Blatos Nord, a great album called The Work Which Transforms God, which is a, yes, extremely subterranean, rusty, ugly music. <laughs> is that the kind of stuff you're into at the moment, or are you, are you mellowing oh, with that yeah, I just listen to what I want to listen to. Listen to Enya. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is a part of the, I saw you I think that's like, I saw you at the Laughter House and that is a part do you actually listen to Enya? oh yeah, yeah. Uh, just what? to mellow you out a bit or <laughs> but, I have to yeah yeah plus it's good not all of it some of it's a bit dinky winky but some of it's brilliant so, yeah I totally listen to it <laughs> I have to I'm a temper raged intense guy I uh, can't listen to Slayer all the time I'll kill someone <laughs> Probably myself, probably myself, but nobody else. I don't have a gut to kill anybody else. In the sort of stuff you talk about on stage, it's it's sort of, uh, there is a lot of anger in there. I don't know if it's... uh, I don't don't know know if I'm angry anymore. I'm I'm angry, I've always been. Uh, You know, I don't know. 
I mean, is, do you think there's an ability to change stuff? Change stuff by saying. Oh, by no, I have no ability to change it by yourself. <laughs> I have no intention of anybody doing anything or anything happening for me doing comedy that would change the world. It's just an event for you. I'm just enough to. Uh, well, maybe hopefully people think differently, but still, again, I'm not taking any of that responsibility on board or any of that kind of ego gratification by any stretch of the imagination. Ask my ex-girlfriends if they think I could change the world. The last time I spoke to you as well, um, you were talking about that you don't watch TV anymore. Uh, what, what's that like? Is it is it made well, your I life watch, easier? I don't, I, no, I watch I watch DVDs, but I don't watch TV. Is, is there, is, was there a, a reason that behind that, or was it? Oh, just I can't. A, I can't sit through ads, and I just can't sit through. I can't. <laughs> I watch Seinfeld box set, but I watch, but I'm not going to watch a show that's going to halfway through try and sell me toilet paper like I'm six years old with a <laughs> dog. I just can't. I can't listen to insurance companies tell me that they're out to help me, and mm. just too much lies coming at me continually. But but you did watch yeah. Sex in the City uh, two on DVD as well. Though. Yeah, yeah. What was that yeah, like? Ridge. <laughs> shocking. <laughs> <laughs> As, as That's the, right, I just go. I don't understand the mainstream. I really don't. I'm just go. You know, we're not the same species. We can't be the same species. Comedy. I don't understand how comedy works, but in in comedy, it seems that certain people make it to the top, um, and certain voices don't. Well, not they don't get heard, but you know, it, it it takes a lot more work for you to get heard. Jack Whitehall's going to be bigger than Doug Stanhope ever will. But, uh, yeah. But Jack Whitehall's, you know, status won't last. Doug Stanhope's will. Yeah. You know, in 30 years when they talk about legendary comics, Doug Stanhope will be in a book. Jack Whitehall won't. Will he? <laughs> you know, Jack's an alright guy, but he's mainstream as fuck. Yeah. And that's the way he's being marketed. And I understand that. I, I'm not under any illusion after 20 years in bands and 20 years in comedy that. Well, how come Jack's getting some work? Because Jack's marketable, you know what I mean? Yeah. He's young, he's good-looking, he's, you know, and so it's, I understand that. You know, what, what, what you, if I was a marketing guy or a guy that wanted to make money off entertainment, would I bet Would I bet on Jack Whitehall or me? Hmm. Would I bet on Jack Whitehall? What yeah. do you want to tell, a young guy who's all dippy and fun or an old, crusty, angry, heavy metal guy? So, you know, you're like, you know, I understand. It's, I have no animosity towards that kind of stuff anymore. I used to go, you know, how come they're getting stuff and that guy's better? Because it's not about being better. It's about selling stuff. And uh, hmm. that's fair enough, you know. Well, speaking of selling stuff, uh, you, you're on it in Liverpool uh, on the, the 3rd of April at Laughter House. Uh, yeah. Are you looking forward to that? It's a nice little venue. Oh, totally. I'm always looking forward to that gig. How can you not like that gig? Yeah. It's one of the greatest gigs in the, in the whole country. Seriously? And, uh, Seriously, I did. I did a, uh, I did a Christmas party there with fifty blokes from British Gas, and I have not had more fun ever, <laughs> ever in the history of the universe. That's, that's the thing again. Sometimes you think that the smaller gigs might, you know, you, you want to always want to get bigger, but that, I, I do actually like laughing. Mate, that room's just. Mate, Scouts is a great when they laugh. They just laugh, don't they? You know, yeah. if, they, if they're into it, they laugh and they're balls. They don't muck around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Like Australians. Australians, if they don't like it, they don't make a sound. But if they do like it, they laugh and they gap. So it's real good. I find Scouts is like that too. They just don't. Like the Irish. And, uh, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, Liverpool people, mate. They just. I, lo- I love gigging in Liverpool. Definitely. Oh, fantastic! So, so I, couldn't, what, I couldn't believe I couldn't believe that it wasn't on a tour. That's why we pulled it in at the last minute. I was going to say it was. It, it, it was a bit. Why are we going to Liverpool? Why are we going to Liverpool? 
<laughs> but yeah, but yeah, so so you're looking forward to that and um, oh yeah, it's gonna be chilling, this. And so basically, basically, gonna be chilling. Plus, it's our third last gig, so it's gonna be uh, go to London the next day. So. Mm. You can't I think, party. I think we get London, do we? I don't know. I don't know when there's gigs anymore. <laughs> Been on the road too long. Cool. She never think ahead anyway, because she's just going so. <laughs> like giving up heroin touring you just do it one day at a time <laughs> <laughs> cheers for that Steve no worries and all the best all best uh, on the rest of the tour until you get up to Liverpool and all right, I'll, I'll, I'll see you then I'll see you in Liverpool hopefully thanks a lot cheers Steve alright uh, so Steve Hughes there, he's on at the Laughter House, um, you can find out more about that on laughterhousecomedy.com uh, and yeah that's on Tuesday the 3rd of April, uh, it's, it's going to be a great show, uh, support from Sunny O'Sullivan and that's it for this week, uh, thanks for joining us, next week we've got a wrestling special, this was an extended one uh, because we had so many, so many people to cram in and fit on uh, before their tours go, uh, next week it's more <laughs> cramming of stuff in because it's a wrestling special before Wrestlemania, so we've got Jim Smallman back on, uh, we've got Sully O'Sullivan and we've also got Steve First, uh, who's been filming a, uh, a TV program that we hope to see more of uh, very soon, uh, which is called What Like a Panther. So there's that and more in next week's comedy quota.